So Nick, now that I'm starting MFM Fellowship, I'm realizing that I'm very quickly losing my GYN knowledge. I know, right? We did this episode on vulvar disease and I was like, oh my God, vulvar disease. I have already lost all of my knowledge of that. Where did you find any information about GYN, Faye? So thankfully, the OBG project has all of their up-to-date information on both OB and GYN information um, that you can access online at any point. Fortunately, I've kept up with that subscription-only OBG first, which allows me to bookmark articles and summaries into my own personal library so I can find those things again that I need for studying for the boards. So if you are a fourth-year resident, you can sign up for one year for OBG first absolutely free, and trust me, it is very, very much worth it. Head on over to our website, creogsovercoffee.com, check out the sidebar, and see how you too can get a free year of OBG first as a chief resident. guys, welcome back. This is Faye. This is Nick. And this is Creags Over, Over Coffee. Coffee. So today we're going to be talking about nostalgia. So Nick, what are our learning objectives? Okay, so we're first going to understand the different etiologies of nostalgia. Next, we'll learn how to work up the different causes of nostalgia. And finally, we're going to discuss nostalgia's different treatment options and what matters depending on the type of nostalgia you're, you're treating. All right, so Faye, maybe just kind of a rhetorical question, but what is nostalgia? <laughs> so nostalgia is breast pain. Um, what I didn't know is that there are actually three types of breast pain. So there's cyclical, non-cyclical, and extra mammary, which is not true nostalgia. So cyclical nostalgia or cyclical breast pain affects about two out of three uh, of the patients who have nostalgia. And this is the type of pain that is associated with hormonal fluctuations of the menstrual cycle. Um, and usually patients will say that it starts about a week prior to their menses. Usually it's bilateral, most severe in the upper outer quadrants, and it's caused by stimulation of the ductal elements by estrogen. And so it can also be associated with pharmacologic hormonal agents, so patients who have just started oral uh, contraceptive pills or who've started on hormone replacement therapy. What about non-cyclical breast pain, Nick? So if two-thirds have cyclical goes to show that one-third have non-cyclical breast pain. This does not follow a menstrual pattern, as you may have guessed, but this is more likely to be unilateral or located in one particular position on a breast or kind of, again, something that's a bit more like constant and steady. Causes of non-cyclical nostalgia are various and can be things from just large pendulous breasts to diet and lifestyle issues such as a high fat diet, smoking, or high caffeine intake, the presence of breast cysts, um, ductal ectasia, meaning distension of the subareolar ducts due to inflammation that's just present and unrelated to infection. Mastitis, though, can also be a cause of non-cyclical nostalgia, inflammatory breast cancer, hydradenitis superativa, and sort of a more fun, uncommon one is Mondor's disease, which is thrombophlebitis of the breast, which I didn't realize until prepping for this podcast that that was something that I had to be concerned about in a patient. Yeah. <laughs> um, trauma and certain medications can also be causes of non-cyclical breast pain. 
All right, Faye, and for the last one, extra mammary nostalgia. Right, so this is not true nostalgia. Um, extra mammary pain is basically going to be pain that is going to be around the breast, and it can be referred pain from things like the intercostal nerves, the chest wall, um, and it's usually likely due to muscular or skeletal injury. So we won't really focus on this too much because this is not true nostalgia. But it is also good to keep in the back of your mind because as you're working your patients up um, and they're presenting with breast pain, you may find out that they don't actually truly have breast pain. All right, so Nick, how common is nostalgia and what are the risk factors? As a breastless person, um, I would... <laughs> I'm not sure what I would expect, but statistics show that nostalgia is very common. Um, up to 70% of women in the United States will experience some type of nostalgia at some point in their life. Those at higher risk of nostalgia, though, include older women, those with larger breast size, um, and women who are less fit or physically active are also at higher risk for nostalgia. Faye, when you're trying to wrap your head around a patient's initial complaint of breast pain, how do you approach this? Where do you start? So as with any patient, you always want to break this down into history, physical, and then your like imaging or laboratory testing. So in terms of history, other than your normal OPQRS you know, symptoms, you're going to be asking things like, you know, where is the pain? Is it bilateral or just on one side? What's the, what does the pain feel like? Is it aching? Is it pinching? Is it burning? When does the pain occur? Does it occur with your periods? Because we're trying to elicit whether or not this is a cyclical versus non-cyclic nostalgia, um, whether or not the patient is on any hormonal medication, and also if the pain is associated with other types of pain, like back pain or neck pain or shoulder pain, which may be more consistent with an extra mammary cause. Um, and other things you want to know about are if they have systemic symptoms like fevers and chills, any recent trauma, and then also how the pain affects daily function. Is it something that is really, really bothering them so that they can't go about their daily life? Or is it something that just maybe affects them once a month and they're not that worried about it? And then, of course, you always want to do your complete medical, surgical, history, etc. What about the exam, Nick? How would you approach an, a breast exam for a patient who has nostalgia? I think you know, most folks who learn the breast exam, even as a medical student, can harken back to things like inspection first, then palpation. And there's a lot of inspection that goes into the exam to start out, right? You want to look first and foremost to see if there's any evidence of infection whatsoever, because um, that can be very, that can strike you right away, right? Like red breasts that's discrete in one area. Um, but you also want to look for evidence of malignancy that may be leading to nostalgia. So, you know, skin changes, nipple discharge, again, any palpable mass that's in the breast um, or any asymmetry as well. Make sure that all four quadrants of the breast as well as the chest wall are examined, um, whether you use a you know, row or lawnmower type of approach or a circular type of approach. Again, you want to make sure that you do a full exam from sternum to axilla, and you want to have the patient lay on their side to be able to examine the chest wall um, so that way the breast can fall away from the chest wall and you're able to get a better exam directly of that and not have the overlying breasts get in your way of getting that deeper exam. Faye, how about kind of imaging in labs? Do you always need to get like an ultrasound or a mammo or something? 
Yeah, you, you don't actually, right? If you have someone who comes in and they have a very obvious finding of mastitis, those are patients that I usually don't need to get further imaging unless, you know, they're coming in for like the fourth time with their mastitis and the antibiotics aren't making things better. Um, but you may need to get some imaging if the patient has suspicious findings. So things like you talked about, the skin changes, the bloody nipple discharge, the masses. Um, you can get a mammogram with or without ultrasound to kind of figure out if there's anything else that needs to be done. Um, and like I said, if there aren't any suspicious findings, you may not necessarily need imaging, but again, it will depend on presentation and also if they're due for their annual screening anyway. The chance of having breast cancer with absolutely no abnormality on physical exam or imaging is about 0.5%, so very, very low. All right, so you've seen your patient, Nick, you've talked to them, you've done your physical, maybe you've ordered some imaging. How would you treat nostalgia? Um, so really one of the more important things to remember in treatment is just reassurance itself. Um, Many times women just want to know if and that exactly their breast pain is normal and not indicative of a serious underlying pathology, um, that they don't have breast cancer. That alone has actually been shown to satisfy 78 to 85% of women who have a normal findings on exam. Approximately 15% of women will need some other kind of treatment. And so first line things that you want to look at are you no. Know, things that you can do almost immediately. Physical support, such as a well-fitting bra, warm compresses or ice packs, or using gentle massage over the area. Using over-the-counter analgesics like Tylenol and NSAIDs. Um, topical NSAIDs are another thing that may also be helpful in particular for nostalgia. Um, and then if there are any hormonal medications, things like birth control pills or HRT that may warrant a change um, if they're experiencing nostalgia. Faye, what about second-line therapies? So second-line therapies are usually only used if patients have really debilitating breast pain that is not responding to first-line treatment. So these are things like tamoxifen, which can be given at 10 to 20 milligrams daily, um, or danazol, which is the only FDA-approved treatment for mastalgia, um, specifically for fibrocystic disease of the breast, and usually that is around 200 milligrams daily. As you can imagine, these medications are associated with their own variety of side effects. So things like vasomotor symptoms of menopause and things like that, which you really should talk to your patients about because maybe that is an unacceptable side effect for them. Nick, I feel like you know every time someone came into our triage with breast pain, we would recommend that they take things like vitamin E or even like evening primrose oil. I feel like evening primrose oil was like, something that we talked about all the time whenever we talked about nostalgia. Um, we didn't talk about this though in like first or second line treatments. So when do we use these medications? Yeah. So, I mean, these things are unlikely to cause harm, but they're also therapies that aren't proven by good randomized trial data. Um, so the things that you hear about frequently can include things like lifestyle changes, again, diet changing, stopping caffeine or minimizing caffeine, decreasing fat in the diet to about 15% of calorie intake, and evening primrose oil, as you said, vitamin E is another common one. Um, 
And again, for someone who's having nostalgia and they need something extra to reach for in the vein of that reassurance, all of these things are good to go over as supplementary, but um, they also are not proven by randomized trial data, so they shouldn't be viewed as, for instance, first-line therapy. Again, just shattering assumptions and things that you thought you always knew. All right, Faye, I think that about does it for this episode on nostalgia. Um, why don't we wrap it up and summarize? Sure. So we first talked about what exactly nostalgia was, which is breast pain, and we broke it down to three types, cyclical, non-cyclical, and extramammary. Cyclical basically being that the pain is usually associated with the hormone fluctuations of the menstrual cycle or with use of pharmacologic hormone agents like birth control pills or hormone replacement therapy. And this type of pain is usually bilateral and um, usually starts a week prior to menses. Non-cyclical, which affects up to one-third of women with mastalgia, um, does not follow a menstrual pattern and is more likely to be unilateral or located in one position of the breast. Um, and then there's also extra mammary, which is actually not true mastalgia. It's actually pain that is referred from other areas on the chest wall, like the intracostal nerves. Nostalgia is very common. Up to 70% of American women will experience some type of nostalgia in their life, and those at higher risk include women who are older, those who have larger breasts, and those who are less fit or physically active. The approach to nostalgia should, again, as always, encompass a broad history as well as physical examination that's thorough, examining all four quadrants of the breast as well as the chest wall. Imaging and labs are not always warranted, but may be indicated if you have suspicious findings. Again, these generally are mammography with or without ultrasound. Treating nostalgia, a large part of it is just reassurance. Telling your patients that their exam is normal, if it is, um, is usually good enough for up to 78 to 85% of women. However, those 15% of women that do need other kinds of treatment can first start with first-line treatment, which is good physical support, meaning a well-fitting bra, warm compress or ice packs, and also over-the-counter analgesics like Tylenol or NSAIDs, and finally, possibly a change in the hormonal medications. For women who have truly debilitating breast pain, even after first-line treatment, we can consider tamoxifen or danazole. And then the other therapies that have not been proven by randomized trial data, though there's likely little harm in thinking about these are things like lifestyle change, um, stopping caffeine, low-fat diet, evening primrose oil, and vitamin E. So once again, this is Nick. This is Faye. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and go onto your podcatcher like iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play and give us a five-star rating and review. Find us online on Twitter at Creogs Over Coffee 1 on Facebook and Instagram at Creogs Over Coffee, or head on over to our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Coffee. Send us some love and we'll send you some swag. For this show and any other show, we have adjunct learning materials on our website, www.creogsovercoffee.com. And if you have a question or a correction for this or any of our previous episodes, email us, creogsovercoffee at gmail.com.